when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Wonderful. Well, it is so great to be joining you here today, whether you're joining us online at home, whether you're here in the room with us, and also a big shout out, Kingsgate, Cambridge, love you, miss you, hope you enjoy the message. And today, we are continuing our series around the table where we're looking at all of the meals that Jesus had in the Gospel of Luke. I love this, a series all about having meals together and meeting Jesus together. And today, we're looking at our second meal. And I love this meal because this is a meal where there's two very different characters with two very different perspectives. Now, I wonder how many of you enjoy those optical illusions that you have where you have one picture, but depending on how you look at it, it looks slightly differently. Depending on your perspective, it depends what you see. I think we're going to have one on screen. What do you see here? Do you see anyone who sees a vase? Give me a wave for a vase or a vase. Give me a wave if you see two faces. Okay, okay, don't know what you saw at home, but depending on your perspective, it depends what you see. How about this next one? Anyone for a rabbit? Any rabbit people? A few rabbits? Okay, what about at home? Any ducks? Give me a wave. Okay, okay. So depending on how you look, depends what you see. And then the last one. How many of you remember? Took 2015 by storm. That dress, it's not actually this dress. We couldn't get the real photo, but was it gold or was it blue? I'm still confused. I don't know. But our perspective affects what we see. And we see that in this story that we're looking at today. On the one hand, we have a Pharisee. We learn later that his name was Simon, but it says that he was a religious man. He was moral. He was upright. That's one perspective. The second perspective we have is the unnamed woman. We never learn her name. But what we do know about her is it says she lived a sinful life. And I think what Luke is doing here is he's aware of maybe some of the younger people in the audience reading this. A sinful life is a euphemism for the fact that she was a prostitute. And so we've got a righteous man, and we've got a sinful woman. One meal, two very different perspectives. And I would imagine for most of us tuning in today, we wouldn't fully identify with one perspective or the other. But I am believing and trusting that as we unpack this story, as we delve in, we're going to start to see one of them, or maybe both of them, in ourselves, and Jesus is going to take us on a journey of transformation as we learn about grace and learn about love and learn about worship and learn about hospitality. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to delve into the two perspectives together. And what I've done is I've asked my friend Susie Dobson, a wonderful friend, to write a couple of spoken words that she and Keith have presented. And a spoken word is basically poetry that tries to get inside the mind, inside the experience, inside the heart, taking the biblical text. But what would these people be experiencing and feeling in the moment? So we're going to look at both perspectives and we're going to start with Simon the Pharisee. Does he not know? Does he see? 
to see you realise who it is that's touching him. My honoured guest, does he know he's being dishonoured by this woman and her mess? Has he not guessed? She is sinful and unclean. Does he not know? Does he not see? She has a reputation that entered this room ahead of her. Has he not heard of it? And this the man they call a prophet, the shame of it. I didn't invite the teacher here just to see her muddying the waters, interrupting a meal in my well-curated quarters and spilling her scent and her sin all over the floor. Does she know that she's surrounded by teachers of the law? If he could see the things she's done, the places she's been, surely he'd not let her stoop and kiss his feet. She is sinful and unclean. Does he not know? Does he not see? She's done things it's best not to speak of. Has he not heard of it? And this the man they call a prophet. The shame of it. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Keith, for that, representing Simon the Pharisee to us. And Simon's perspective is something that, that I'm going to call a tick box perspective. A tick box perspective. And a tick box perspective says this about life. It says, I need to earn it, I can earn it, and I deserve it. I need to earn it, I can earn it, and I deserve it. So let's just have a look at that. Firstly, I need to earn it. Now, what's, what's it, you might be asking? Well, it is basically anything that we want and we need from God. His love, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness, his answers to prayer. A tick box perspective says, I need to earn it. Simon was a Pharisee, and these were very religious people who thought that in order to earn God's love, they had to keep the rules. And not just the rules that God said, not just his wisdom and his love and his guidance, but they added layer upon layer of complexity and detail so that they could maybe one day reach up to God. They needed to earn it. But because that these were external boxes that could be ticks, they also thought that maybe they could earn it. You know, maybe if just for a day or just for an hour, they managed to tick enough things, then actually they could get to the love of God and they could find closeness and forgiveness and freedom with him. And the ultimate end of this is if they ticked enough boxes, if they maybe just made it through a little bit of time, then it led them to a place of saying, I deserve it. You know, I deserve it. I've done this, therefore God needs to. I've done this, therefore you need to. And we saw that in Simon. We saw that in his response towards Jesus. We saw it in response towards the woman. He ticked enough boxes, but she hadn't. He was included, but she was excluded. That's the tick box perspective. And the ultimate end of this is a life full of striving, a life full of never quite making it and never quite matching up. Because however many boxes you tick, eventually you're going to fail to tick one of them and you're back round to the start and needing to earn it again. I wonder how many of us are starting to connect maybe just a little bit with Simon. I know I am. I know I am. So that's the tick box perspective. Now let's head on to the second one. And this is our unnamed, uninvited guest. I heard that he was coming, the man of mercy. I heard that he was coming and then I saw him on my street. And I watched him go into dine at the house of Simon the Pharisee. And look, I know my life is broken. I know my soul is bent. And if you could see the things I did, the places I went, it might color your view of me. If you could see my past, it might well make you think less of me, just like it did for Simon the Pharisee. 
but I heard that he was coming. The man of mercy. I heard that he was coming, the God who sees me. And now somehow I know I've been forgiven and my life has been reshaped. And if you could see the love I've received, if you could see the love I have, if you could see the way I've been healed, maybe you could see why I'm stood here by the man who made me clean, weeping a river of tears over his tired and unwashed feet. It's in love the jar is broken, in love the perfume poured. He saw the things I did, the places I went, but he saw me, loved me. So it's all I can do to give myself and let any sense of shame or indignity fade in the light of his gaze. Come on, so, so powerful, isn't it? A tick box perspective says, I need to earn it, I can earn it, I deserve it. But this woman had a different perspective. She had what I'm going to call a grace perspective, which also has three characteristics. And the first one is this, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. This woman knew enough of herself to realize that she didn't actually deserve anything from God. And this might sound a little bit harsh, but actually it's just reality. She was just honest enough to know that she had messed up and been messed up by life. So what had she ever done to deserve the love of God? A grace perspective says, I don't deserve it. It also says, I can't earn it. I can't earn it. There will never be enough boxes that I can tick to eventually make God love me because those external boxes were only ever there to reveal the internal reality of our hearts of my mind, of my thoughts, and my desires. And I will never get that to a place where I can work up to a place of earning God's love. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. And probably around now, you're thinking, well, Chris, that's a little bit bleak, isn't it? I'm really, really glad I tuned into church today to hear this encouraging message. Maybe I'd actually rather be Simon. Maybe I'd rather tick some boxes, because at the end of that, I might be able to earn just a little bit of loving. But no, let's let Jesus come into this story. Let's let Jesus speak. We heard the first part of the reading at the start of the message. Simon's hosting a meal. The woman breaks her way in and starts weeping on Jesus' feet and washing his feet and pouring perfume on it. And Simon's thinking, doesn't Jesus know? Doesn't he see? And then we read this. Jesus speaks to Simon and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now, you know you're in trouble when Jesus says something like this to you kids out there. You might recognize a parent's voice in there. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. So he forgave the debts of both. Jesus says, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And then he tells Simon a story of two people who owed a moneylender money. One owned probably around the equivalent today of 40,000 pounds. That's the 500 denarii. And one owed around 4,000 pounds. 40,000, 4,000, but neither of them could pay him back. And so the moneylender stops and he thinks and he looks and he says, you know what? I'm going to forgive you both. I'm going to cancel the debt for you both, and I'm going to let you both off the hook. Neither could pay it, neither could deserve it, neither could earn it. Both received grace. 
And what Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to speak into Simon's heart. Simon says, doesn't Jesus know? Doesn't Jesus see what's going on in front of him? And Jesus is saying, no, Simon, don't you know? Don't you see that grace is here and grace is available for you? If only you would see it and receive it. It's like Simon is a car. Go with me for a little bit on this. Uh, Simon is a car that has gone through one of those drive-through washings. You know, the fun ones that spin either side, and he's come out the other side, and he's spotlessly clean. But then a flock of pigeons appears on the horizon and flies closer, flies overhead, and decides to empty their breakfast over his windscreen. Oh, the joy. Some of us have experienced this in real life. And he tries to wipe it off, but he realizes that he's run out of windscreen wash. And so every time he goes, it's just blurring and smudging and obscuring his vision so that he can't see. He looks clean, but he's got completely the wrong perspective. He's trying to live a moral life, but he can't see the love that is available to him. Unlike the woman who is dirty, who is sinful, who's unclean, who's messed up, but she can see that she can never earn it. She can see that she couldn't deserve it. And so she said, you know what? I'm just going to receive it. That's the third mark of a grace perspective. I'm just going to receive it. She had grasped something that Paul later put into writing. Paul was a man who started his life with a tick box perspective. He found grace and he wrote these words. He said, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Let me ask you, before God created the world, had you done anything to earn the love of God? Any great acts of service? Great acts of faith helped any people across the road? And all of those other things? No, of course not. Before he made the world, you hadn't done anything. You didn't earn it. But what about now, you might say? What about now that I've messed up and I've done things wrong? Well, again, let's let Paul speak. And Paul says these words, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sees the regret. He sees the sin and the shame and all the things you've done. And still, he gives his life and forgives your debt. We've got the tick box perspective. We've got the grace perspective. So where do we go from here? Well, I think two things. Firstly, let's together as a church family and as friends, let's cultivate a grace perspective. Let's cultivate a grace perspective. You know, I find it so easy in my life to slip into the tick box, to slip into a mentality where it says, you know what, if I want to earn God's love, I've got to read my Bible more, I've got to pray more, I've got to serve more, I've got to try harder. And in those moments, I need to come back to the cross. I need to come back to the place where I realize the love of God poured out for me. There's a wonderful song that says, may I never lose the wonder, the wonder of the cross. May I see it for the first time, standing as a sinner lost, undone by mercy and left speechless, wandering wide-eyed at the cost. May we never lose the wonder, the wonder of the cross. In those moments, I have to bring myself back to the cross. I have to bring myself back to the places in his word, that Ephesians passage, that Romans passage that speak of grace and speak of love and speak of kindness. I have to get myself, sometimes wrench myself out of the tick box perspective and come and receive grace again. Happens when we meditate and we memorize on scripture. It happens when we worship songs like Living Hope that we sang earlier and we worshipped too earlier, when we praise him and worship him, it helps us get our perspective right. For me also, there's been several books that have helped me on this journey. Might stick them on social media as we go through these weeks. Just help me cultivate and help me clear my windscreen and see clearly. And if none of those work, what I do sometimes, and 
I wouldn't encourage you to spend too long doing this or do it too often. Sometimes I just stop and think, you know, what would my life be like without Jesus? What would my life be like if he hadn't taken my sins, if he hadn't paid my debt, if he hadn't forgiven me and given me grace? That helps me cultivate a grace perspective. So that's the first thing for us to do together. Cultivate the perspective, but it doesn't stop there. You know, this woman, she didn't just think certain things or feel certain things or believe certain things. She then acted on it. Heading back into the text, Jesus has just told his story, his parable, and then he says this, again, speaking to Simon. Now, which of them will love him more? Which of the ones who've been forgiven will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, but you did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, Simon, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little, but Jesus calls her love great love. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for Jesus to look at our hearts, to look at the overflow of grace in our life, of what he's given to us, pull back and say, that is great love. And so this woman, she gives us three examples of how we can overflow with a grace response. And the first is this, in our worship, in our worship. You know, worship in our English meaning, it carries the meaning of to adore someone or something. The reason that we start every Sunday with songs is so that we can spend time overflowing and adoring and pouring out our praise onto the feet of Jesus. But interestingly, if you look at the Greek, the word worship also carries the meaning of to kiss. And I love that in the context of this story. When we are worshiping, we are kissing the feet of Jesus just like this woman. And the more we allow the grace of God to overflow in our hearts, the more we'll stay away from Simon and his slightly removed attitude towards Jesus. Notice that he calls him teacher. He calls him teacher. He's like, I see you, but I'm not ready to worship you yet. But this woman, she overflows in an extravagant expression, falling on his feet. And Jesus says, she has not stopped kissing my feet. She has not stopped kissing my feet. You know, the act that this woman did in that moment was a really scandalous one. It was really inappropriate for that moment. And the more we realize God, the more we will overflow and just show God how much we love him. Yes, in our voices, but also in our expressions. However it looks to us, if you're ballet dancers, dance. If you're clappers, clap. If you can't clap in rhythm, we clap because we're overflowing back the love that God has given to us. So firstly, in our worship. Secondly, in our giving. In our giving. Notice this woman. She comes and she's kissing his feet and she's crying on his feet. But she also has this pot of perfume that she pours on the feet of Jesus. Now, we don't know whether it was Gucci, maybe Chanel number five, maybe Jean-Paul Gaultier, but she takes it and she pours it. And you know, when I read this passage, I don't think that she just poured a little bit. She's like, oh, that'll do. 
I think she poured it all over the feet of the one who is going to give everything for her. And the same is true for us. You know, yes, we bring our worship. Yes, we bring our songs. Yes, we raise our hands. But also I think that we fully grasp the grace of God when it overflows in our worship and into our wallets and affects our giving as well. You know, as a church, we do believe in the tithe, the principle of giving 10% back to God. But again, I don't think this woman had a 10% marker and poured and thought, no, that's enough. No, she gave it all because she realized that this man had given his all for her. And so for me personally, and for any of us here, when we struggle with giving financially, I think we need to go back to his word, and we need to go back to worship. We need to remind ourselves of the God who did not stop at the cross, but gave not just 10% of his life, but all his life. Not just a little bit of his love, but all of his love for us. So in our worship, our giving, and also in our hospitality, In our hospitality, you know, in this series, around the table, as we look at having meals with each other and meals with Jesus, we see something in this story that's remarkable. Because the great irony is this, Simon's the host. Jesus says, Simon, you invited me into your house, but you did not wash my feet. You did not kiss me. You did not give me oil. But this woman who wasn't even invited, she was actually the host. She was actually the one who cared for me, who loved me, who drew me in, who was hospitable to me. There's a really deep lesson of hospitality right in the heart of this story. And as we continue through this series, and as we continue through the summer, let's learn something from this woman about how to honor and how to welcome and how to show love and appreciation towards someone else. Even if you're not the actual host, you can still be the host and you can still show hospitality. Because this woman had her life changed around the table. This woman met grace and was transformed around the table. I know know personally for me, I have had many experiences of that as well. It may surprise you to know that I wasn't always a pastor. Once upon a time, I was a kid. I was a teenager searching for grace. And I found it many times around the table. I found it around the table in my home meeting with my sister and my parents day after day as they ministered grace to me. And we talked about Jesus and we prayed together. I found it in Jonathan from my church, who when I was a kid took me out for a meal and bought me my first Happy Meal. That wasn't the transformation, but the grace that he showed to me, the kindness and the conversation. I saw it in Roger, who when one of my grandparents passed away, he took me out for breakfast and he talked to me and he listened to me and he he showed me how God was still working in this situation. Around the table, my life has been transformed. You may have that same story. And around the table, we can transform others. As we head into the summer, let's look for and pray for and create opportunities to be grace to others, to show Jesus to others. Because grace, yeah, come on. Because grace happens when we make space for it around the table. So what we're going to do now is we are going to respond together. And we're going to do that by taking the ultimate grace meal that Jesus set up for us. The meal within a meal, as it were, communion. And communion's amazing opportunity to remember the grace and the love and the kindness of Jesus, but also to receive it again for ourselves. And so we're going to do that here in the room. You might want to join in here at home as well. And as we do this, you know, I wonder what your response is today. I wonder if there's a little bit of the tick box mentality that you just need to ask Jesus to come and do a deeper work in your heart. 
I wonder if there's some things in your life that maybe you just need to say sorry to God for. You just need to lay them down and come to him again and pour yourself on him again and receive his forgiveness and his grace. Or maybe today that for the first time, you actually want to say yes to Jesus. You want to receive his grace, what he has given for you. You don't need to earn it. You don't deserve it, but he loves you and he gave it all for you today. So I want to ask us, those in the room, would you stand at home, engage with this however you might want to? We're going to take communion together. If you're not a Christian, then you may want to sit this out. I'll pray a blessing over at the end. Or yes, you may want to say it for the first time as saying yes to Jesus. But let's just take the bread and hold it. You know, Jesus, when he had this meal for the first time with his disciples, said, this is my body broken for you. And so Jesus, we come now and we just say thank you that you broke your body for us so that we didn't have to strive and earn your love. And God, we're so, so grateful. And I pray for each and every single one of us watching today, would you do a deep work in our hearts of just fresh revelation of your love for us despite what we've done in the midst of everything. So we come and we take the bread together. And then if you just hold the juice. Jesus, thank you that you poured out your blood for us so that all our sins, everything we've ever thought or done or said wrong has been washed clean. We are spotless in your sight because of the cross. And we just come now and we say, we're really sorry. We're sorry for where we've slipped into a tick box mentality, trying to earn you. And we're sorry where we have, some of us just wandered our lives miles and miles away from you. And we come back now and we say, we're coming to receive your forgiveness and your freedom. So let's take the juice together. Thank you, Jesus. And then for all of us here today, why don't you just put a hand on your heart. Father, as we head out into the rest of our days, the rest of our weekends, the rest of this season, I pray, would you come and keep showing us yourself? As we look through these meals and these encounters with you, would you keep revealing yourself to us? Would you keep doing a deep work in our hearts so that we will overflow in our worship and we will overflow in our giving and we would overflow in hospitality to those near us. Right now, you might just want to think about some of your neighbors, some of your friends, some of your colleagues who need the love and the hope and the joy of Jesus. Father, we pray, would you give us opportunities to love them, to show your grace to them, to show your kindness to them today. As we pour out our praise in this moment, would you flow through us? Would you open doors into people's lives? Would you help them know the love and the grace and the hope that is available to them. And would you use us in this season? As we open our doors, as we open our gardens, as we have barbecues, as we have coffee together, send us out as ministers of your grace, agents of your grace, carriers of your grace. So that it wouldn't just be our life that's changed. It wouldn't just be an encounter with grace that we have, but it would snowball exponentially flow out through all of us. 
I pray that for myself. I pray that for everyone in the room. I pray that for you right now at home. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. So we are going to close our time now by worshipping. And we're going to worship that wonderful song, Great Are You, Lord, where it says about pouring out our praise. And as Karen said earlier, we can't sing to pour out our praise, but we can do it in our hands. We can do it in our bodies and we can do it in our hearts. You know, for some of you, God might still be speaking and might still be moving in your life. Just want to encourage you, keep taking this moment to pour it out to him, to pour out what he has done for you and flow it back into him. So let's worship again together.